Thank you, Lord. There's nothing like praying with the body of Christ. Amen? I could just stay here all night with you guys. But I won't. <laughs> but I could. So um, we want to start tonight. We are continuing on in the blue book, Holy Spirit, the Promised One. And for those of you all following along, we're on page 85. We're going to take a couple of weeks to go over gifts of the Spirit. Um, gifts of the Spirit is one of my fun favorite topics of the Holy Spirit, although what part isn't. Um, but I love this part, and I love doing practicums with it, because so often we find ourselves um, flowing and operating in the gifts of the Spirit, and many times people don't even know that's what they're operating in. And so we want to um, talk about it. We want to give time for prayer and um, the opportunity for us to begin to hear from God and exercise and practice some of those gifts. Amen? So I want to start with 1 Corinthians 14.1. And there it says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you might prophesy. The gifts of the Spirit are not some spooky thing. The, the quite hilarious thing is it's not like tongues where everybody's afraid of tongues. It gets real offensive quick. People are actually intrigued by the gifts, which is a good thing. Amen. Um, and the Bible says that we are to desire spiritual gifts. To desire, that word breaks down and means to be zealous for to burn with desire, to pursue ardently, and to desire eagerly. Now, I don't know about you, but when I want something, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's going to happen, right? Whether you want a particular pair of boots for the fall, right? Or you have to have a particular type of soup for dinner. You will go out of your way 10 miles to go get the right ingredient. Come on. To make sure that you have it. If your um, child or your grandchild wants a particular toy that's come out for Christmas or their birthday, what are you going to do? You're going to be researching it. You're going to figure out the stores and the sale and when the shipment comes in. And you're going to be first in line. And you're going to pursue that thing that you want. Amen. How much more should we be pursuing and desiring Christ? Pursuing and desiring the things of heaven and pursuing and desiring the gifts of the Spirit. And let me tell you this. I was meeting with someone this week and, and talking about all this, the, the Holy Spirit and, and our heavenly language and the baptism and the spiritual gifts. As we seek these gifts, as we seek to know more about prophecy and words of knowledge and wisdom and miracles and healing and faith, what we're actually seeking is the gift giver himself. We're not seeking it out for our own vain advantage that we would actually accomplish something for ourselves high and mighty. Oh my goodness, no. As we pursue and we're zealous for, we're pursuing his heart. We're pursuing the knowledge of who he is. We're pursuing his passion and his glory. And as we find that, we begin to find the gifts flowing. Amen? So we're going to stay in Corinthians a little bit. Go to from chapter 12, starting in verse 1. 1 Corinthians 12, 1, and it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be unknowing. I don't want you to be uneducated. I want you to get this. Next uh, verse. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. 
Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. So we see from Scripture that all Spirit-baptized Christians have been given the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Every one of us. The gifts of the Spirit, just like the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is for all believers. It's not just for a special few. It's not just for the fivefold ministry. It's for every Spirit-filled believer. I've said this two or three weeks in a row, and I'm going to say it one more time. The gifts of the Spirit are not a mark of spiritual maturity. I, you can get born again today, you can get baptized in the Holy Spirit today and begin prophesying or have a, uh, the gift of healing upon your life and begin to pray for people and we see supernatural healings take place because it's a gift. It comes upon you, the Holy Spirit comes upon you and it's a gift given. The sign and the mark of Christian maturity is going to be the fruit of the Spirit and I guess we'll have to have a class on that one day. The gifts of the Spirit are also not for our individual advancement. It's not something to where we get marked up a little bit higher on the totem pole. Well, look at me, I prophesy. Paul says all shall, you know, should prophesy. It's for every believer. However, the gifts of the Spirit, it is the love of God flowing out of the believer to a needy people. That's the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit, that the love of God could be made manifest in us to flow out of us to meet the needs of someone else. Amen? Now, we can divide the, um, the, nine, the nine gifts of the Spirit into three different categories. Tonight, we're going to talk about the revelation gifts. But there's revelation gifts. Those gifts reveal something to a person. Then you have power gifts. Those things do. It's active. It does. And then we have inspirational gifts, and that's saying, speaking. Um, so tonight, we're going to talk about the revealed gifts. Those are words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. So if you want a definition of what a word of wisdom is, it's a supernatural revelation of the divine purposes of God in Christ communicated to the church through a believer. Basically, it unveils in part the purposes of God on the earth, its future plans and purposes, something that has not existed, something that's future, it's a purpose of God um, imparted to the church through the believer. Now, an example of that is going to be found in Acts 9. So I'm reading from the New American Standard tonight. But Acts 9 verse 10 says, Now there was a disciple 
um, at Damascus named Ananias. Everybody remembers Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, get up, go to a street called Straight, inquire at the house of Judas for a man named Tarsus, from Tarsus, named Saul, for he is praying, and he has seen a vision, a man named Ananias. Come in and lay hands on him that he might regain his sight. That is a word of knowledge, not wisdom. That's okay. I'm going to keep going, and then, I'll, and then I'll tie them together. Both of them come from Acts. There were two verses apart. So a word of knowledge exists now or did exist. Does that make sense? A word of wisdom speaks the future plans and purposes. A word of knowledge speaks something that exists right now or it did exist. So here in Acts 9, he's saying, hey, I want you to go to this house. This is where this man is. He's praying. He's already seeing a vision a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him. The ne very next verse is the word of wisdom. It says, but Ananias answered and said, Lord, I've heard about this man, how much harm he did to your saint to Jerusalem. Lord, what are you talking about? You want me to go to this place and lay hands on him? I've heard all about how he goes and he kills believers. What are you talking about? Um, and the Lord says, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the sons of Israel. For I'll show him how much he will suffer for my name's sake. So the word of knowledge is this. Hey, there's this man. His name is Saul. He's on a street called Straight. Fact happening right now. This is where he's at. Go. Word of wisdom is, hey, there's this man named Saul. And I've called him out. I've called him out, and he's going to be used mightily for my name's sake. Yeah, you know this Christianity, salvation that's just been for the Jews? Guess what? Now it's for the Gentiles. And now my hand is coming upon this man, and he's going to be the instrument that goes out and saves the Gentile world. That's a word of wisdom. That's the future plans and purposes of God. So a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge can be used together and oftentimes you do see them together and so these just happen to flow one right after the other that are we following that so one example of this in my life is um i'm at this particular um prison and i'm preaching and um while uh, i'm not preaching yet i'm worshiping so in the middle of worship and i would love to go to jail because i would um, study, study, study. I'd hear from God, I'd have a word, and I'd be going up in the elevator, and the Lord would say, you're going to share this. And I'd say, oh, okay, I'm so glad I prepared that. We're good, I got you. And so this particular day, the Lord did the same thing, and he, he said, you're not going to share on this, you're going to share on something else, but he never told me what I was going to share on. So I'm in the middle of worship, and I'm worshiping, and I'm praying in the Holy Spirit, and next thing you know, he tells me, someone here is spirit of suicide. I'm like, okay. And he's like, no. Someone here wants to kill themselves today, came to this service, and said, if you don't show yourself to me, I'm going back to my cell, and this is how I'm doing it. Okay. <laughs> what do you want me to do with that? So I'm worshiping, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, and I have no idea what to do. That is, that, that, that is, that, that is an actual, this happened right before you came in here, and what do you want me to do? Another example, and I'm going to share a little bit more about that. Another example, y'all have heard in the prisons how uh, when I'd go, you always have the people that want to be sassy pants in the back, and they want to challenge you, right? 
So this one particular day, I'm preaching in the prison, and they had this cute little small girl sitting in the back center, and she had something to say about everything I did. If I said hello, if I did like this to my jacket, who does she think she is? If I raised my hands in worship, look at her. And, and, and it was very verbal. And as I'm preaching and sharing, well, what do you think about this? Doesn't it say this over here? And so I actually very much so like those people because they don't intimidate me at all. And so I would call her out throughout the service, right? And so I'd use her as an example. Well, hey, Jewel don't you think? And she'd be like, and just kind of going back and forth. Because I'm going to go and let God be, the Lord be glorified regardless. Well, it comes that at the end of the time, we would go pray for everyone. Now, this place that I would preach in probably was the size of the drum cage, and we would fit like 20, 25 people in there. So when I'd go to pray for people, it was kind of like this, you know. And you pray for people. Well, I get to the back row of the room, and I'm about to get to her. Now's when I get nervous. I don't want to go lay hands on somebody to have them argue with me. And I'm like, Lord, well, you know, this is all for you. Couldn't she get saved in the message? <laughs> and so I go, and right before I pray for her, I lay hands on her friend. And I'm not even thinking I'm praying for her friend. I'm thinking I'm still praying for Miss Sassy Pants over here because I got to pray for her and Lord help me. And I'm like, Lord, I don't want to do it. And as I'm laying hands on her, I see a vision of her. This is the friend of Sassy Pants. I see a vision of her when she was little in a closet hiding. I see her getting beaten. I see horrible horrible things but then I see the Lord coming through the years and he begins to show me different things throughout the years and as I begin to speak it out that this is what the Lord's showing me and there was scripture to go with it and it was all about bringing this girl to a place of healing and forgiveness and a place of security in Christ and what was it it was a word of knowledge of what happened in her past and then there was a word of wisdom that came with what the Lord was working out what he was trying to do but the awesome thing is, as I'm giving this girl this word of knowledge, Miss Sassy Pants breaks and starts bawling. Because that very day, they had talked about this girl's past. And the very vision that the Lord had showed me of her in the closet and where she was and how she was crouched was what I was sharing. You know, I'm seeing you as a child, whatever. They had just shared that. And so that spoke volumes. It was for her good that the Lord knows and the Lord cares. So even words of knowledge, words of wisdom, all the different gifts of the Spirit, they're not, they're not for you and your edification. They're literally His love flowing through to meet the need of someone else. And oftentimes it builds not only that person's faith, but the faith of all those around them. Do you think I really wanted to say that that day about that girl? No. But to see her have a spirit of heaviness and in a moment of time, peace, a moment of time, a sense of hope that she's not forgotten that she wasn't alone, that, that somebody cares, that's all worth it. Do you think I really wanted to say, hey, guess what? The Lord saith that somebody's ready to kill yourself, and you're going you're gonna to do it right when you leave here if he doesn't show up. I mean, I don't know about you, but I like to follow Scripture, and I like to hear from the God, from the Lord, and they both have to kiss, or I don't say it, right? So I'm like, okay, God, you say someone wants to kill themselves, what am I going to do about it? What, what's the, I'm not going to just say it. Because how many of you know, even then when the Lord comes, natural man rises. 
right? So I'm thinking gloom, depression, bipolar, medicine. What are we going to do? And the Lord's like, How, don't you remember who I am? I'm the Lord that healeth. I am he. I'm the one that is raised from the dead that seats at the right hand of God. And so he began to just give me scripture. And so I'm like, I don't know if this is anyone here, but this is what the Lord says and said that you want to do today. But this is the word for you. And he gave me Isaiah 61 and all these different scriptures. And as I began to just bubble out with these scriptures of hope for a future, that you're not lost, that you're not forgotten, Three women came up. Three women came up. Two of which said they had already planned out their suicide. Two of, out of the three had planned out their suicide. One wanted was thinking about it. And so words of knowledge and wisdom can all look very different. But what we always teach, how many of you have ever been praying or been worshiping and you feel like the Lord says something but you're really not sure? And you're not sure how to do it? One of the things that I like to do, and when we look at, th at Scripture and when we see even Peter on the day of Pentecost, when he began to prophesy, what did he do? He quoted Joel, right? So oftentimes when we have words of knowledge and we have words of wisdom, when we have prophecy, we always ask God, okay, where does this line with your word? Give me Scripture to go with this. I don't want to give man my opinion. Okay, God, wants to, well, God says that he, someone here is contemplating suicide. Let me tell you what I think about that. Why? They don't need Heather. They don't need any of my opinion. They need to know what the Word of God says about it. And, and so we want to give them truth. We want to give them promise. We want to give them Bible. Because what is the Bible? It's living. It's powerful. It's active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces between bone and marrow, between soul and spirit. It's a discerner of our thoughts and the intents of our heart. So as we give them scripture, when they walk away, they don't know, they're not going to remember 90% of what I said. Good riddance. But what they are going to remember is that which is living and active and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And so we want to give them scripture to take away with us. So when the Lord, when he begins to download, and you're like, is this you? Is this not you? Hopefully all of us have a daily devotion life, right? And I say, go to the Rolodex. Go to the Rolodex of scripture in your, in your head, the Rolodex of scripture in your inner man, and say, Lord, give me a, give me a word to match it. Give me a word to match it. Another example of um, a word of wisdom in Scripture is Matthew 24 in verse 3. He was sitting on the mountain olives, and the disciples came to him praying, saying, Tell us, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name. Jesus is now beginning to operate here in the word of wisdom, and he's saying, I am the Christ, and will miss." I am the, who's come saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened. For those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places, there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of the birth pains. There there they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. And so here even Jesus, as a man, as God in the flesh on the earth, he began to operate in a word of wisdom. He began to have a supernatural revelation, a supernatural understanding of the things that, that are to come, and began to speak those things out. 
Um, one of the key things, too, that we hear, that we see about a word of wisdom or word of knowledge is it's not something that you or I could ever figure out or understand on our own. It has nothing to do with past history or um, so-and-so told us about this or I have figured this out. It's a supernatural piece of information imparted to you or I that there is no other way we can know this but by God himself. Amen. Um, another example for a word of knowledge. In John um, 1, verse 46, it says, Nathanael said to him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Nazareth? And Philip said, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and he said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, and in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said, How do you know me? And Jesus answered and said, Before Philip call you, called you when you were under that fig tree over there, I saw you. Nathanael answered him and said, Rabbi, are you the son of God? Or you are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And so we see Jesus having a word of knowledge. He saw him way over there sitting down. Say, hey, Bob, aren't you Maxine and Marion's son? Don't I know you? is basically what, he began to, what began to happen. He saw him from afar off and knew who he was and where he was from. A word of knowledge. We see another example of a word of knowledge with the woman at the well. John 4. Jesus, the woman sits there and, and um, Jesus says, Yeah, you don't have a husband now because you've been married how many times? And the one that you're living with now, you're not married to. And so that's a supernatural piece of information that Jesus wouldn't know having just met her. A supernatural bit of information. And so really what happens is you and I begin to, to um, walk in the gifts of the Spirit, to flow in different things. You'll begin praying for someone, and, and you'll go to lay hands on them, and you're praying in, the Eng in English. You know, we're praying for Sue and her family earlier, and, and you just begin to pray out in the Holy Spirit. And next thing you know, God comes, and he begins to show me what? That it's going to be a sign and a wonder for the whole church, that not only does he want to bring restoration in, in, in her family, but he wants to bring restoration in the family and the lives of the families of every member of Celebration. Come on, amen? And as we begin to pray, then he goes and he leads it further than that. Not only does he want to bring salvation to Sue's family member and to Rob, but he wants to bring salvation to the family members of everyone at Celebration. And so you'll begin to pray in English, and then you'll pray in the Holy Ghost. And next thing you know, you'll have these things imparted into you, into your inner man, and you'll begin to pray those things out. You'll begin to prophesy those things out. And then you'll get the scriptures to go with it. For you and your household shall be saved. Amen. I come to make beauty for ashes. And all these things will be aligning as you're praying in your spirit. But it's connected to our um, abiding in him. We talked about that last week. Our abiding in him and him abiding in us. As my word abides in you, you'll ask whatever you will and it'll be done. As we abide in him, as we're getting downloads of the Holy Ghost and we're baptized in him and we're overflowing in him, out of our bellies come flowing rivers of living water. And then all of a sudden, we, we we're, we're open, we're receiving from him and he can come and impart and download just a little bit of his heart he can give us a little bit of information about someone's life because now he can he can begin to trust us we're in his word we, we've got it in us you know we're receiving from him it's not about us and all of a sudden bam downloads and you begin to speak life into someone else's life into someone else um, that day isn't that exciting now the next one we want to see 
for today is discerning of spirits. So if you turn your Bibles to John chapter 6 and verse 70, it says that Jesus answered them, Did I myself not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? And so... Let me look, go back and read to you the definition of discerning of spirits as we look at that verse. Discerning of spirits is insight into the spirit world, whether good or bad. Discerning of spirits is not necessarily always dealing with demons. It can be. It can be in the realm of angels. It can also be discerning people's spirits over the intents of someone's heart. It is the ability to see the presence or the activity of a spirit. So oftentimes when people start talking about discerning of spirits, they, you know, I have the gift of discerning of spirits. I see demons on every corner and there's a black thing hanging from the corner of the ceiling over there. And I saw the angels into the room. We don't... We don't see anywhere in scripture where we entertain all of this. So that's not what discerning of spirits is. Now, discerning of spirits, you can, and in a moment of time, see um, a demon trying to oppress someone to give you supernatural wisdom and ability to discern the situation, to give you the authority that you need to take control over it. Um, so those things happen. It can be a discerning that, that yeah, that, that the angels are singing tonight with Tony as she sings. And, and they've come to, and we've joined in with the choir of heaven to give you a supernatural understanding and revelation of what, what the Lord's doing in the moment. But as far as um, the, the angels come and appear and, and speak with me and um, sits at my side while I do this and, and I always see, that's, that's spooky and hokey pokey. We don't see that anywhere in scripture, so we don't go there. Amen? We don't go there. If we don't see it in Scripture, we don't go there. But discerning of spirits does allow you, like here we see Jesus. He chose Judas. He saw that there was good qualities in Judas, and Judas had a chance. Judas could have been somebody good. He could have been on the A team. Amen? But something switched at some point in Judas's life, and Christ said, Hey, yeah, one of you is going to betray me. I know. I know. I know it. I see, it's the intent of your heart. I see it. It's there. We, know, we learned in Scripture that Judas was stealing money from the treasury before he even betrayed and turned Jesus in. It's a discerning of the intents of the heart. You can walk in a situation in a moment of time. No, something, somebody just had a tiff in here. Walk in a room, everybody could be all smiles, but in a moment of time you discern that there, that there is a spirit of anger, that there is a spirit of hatred in the room, that there is a spirit of fear in a room. And all of a sudden you walk in and you're like, hey, what's going on here? What? What's happening? Years ago, this prophet by the name of Dick Mills had given me this book, and he kind of chuckled when he gave it to me. And inside of it he had a word for me, and it was an instant discerning of the spirits and he began to elaborate a little bit and Dick Mills is the, is the guy for the spirit filled life bible helped write the interpretation of, of all the, the original languages so he, he's a man of the word he, his ministry he had every promise in scripture memorized and would say stand up and just quote it right from where it's at. And he'd sit there for services year after year, week after week, and that's what he would do. And, and so when Dick Mills gave you a word, you were like, oops. Okay, where are we going? 
And I didn't know what it meant, but years later I began to know, and I'd walk into a room and be like, all right, here we go. Let's sit down and have a talk. What just happened? Nothing. We're all good. Nope, something's happening. What just went on? And instantaneous, you would understand and know the spirit of the room, that it was a spirit of fear, a spirit of hate, a spirit of love, a spirit of passion. And you can know in a moment of time, regardless of what someone's saying or what their actions are dictating, you begin to see supernaturally into the spirit realm, not because of something somebody's saying or doing, but supernaturally see into the spirit realm what's happening to have discernment for how to address the situation. So you can begin to walk in the power and the authority, the anointing of Christ to bring wholeness into a situation. Amen? Very different from the spooky, spooky world. So why don't y'all stand on your feet with me? And we'll go back to 1 Corinthians 14.1. Mike, would you mind coming and playing something for me? Having something in the background. First Corinthians 14.1 says to pursue love and to desire spiritual gifts. And so we're, you know, we're covering this for the next couple of weeks. Probably the next two weeks we'll cover the different gifts, the power gifts, and then the inspiration gifts. And what we want to do is we want to just give time and opportunity to say, okay, Lord whether we've run from it in the past, whether we know that we're used in it now or in the past. God, I want to let you move through my life. I want to be a vessel of your love to impact the world around us. I want to move in words of knowledge and wisdom. And I want to have discerning of spirits that I might know in a moment of time what's happening in the spirit realm that I would connect with you and bring your glory and your love on this earth. 